0: LiveFlow is known for saving accountants time, hours, days, even weeks for some. Well, LiveFlow has done it again, saving accountants even more time with their new feature, automated multi-entity consolidation. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, LiveFlow, later in the episode.
1: Most accounting firms don't want to touch them. You know, I, I heard your conversation a month or so ago about, you know, their their C and D and F clients. Mm-hmm. Right? They're everyone else's c d and f clients and my goal was to provide you know to make that my a client and it's messy you know it's it's messy trust me it's not easy and we still struggle through it um but uh that's the goal
0: if you'd like to earn cpe credit for listening to this episode visit earmarkcpe.com download the app take a short quiz and get your cpe certificate continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Earmark Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver, joined today by Ben Sutton. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks, Blake. Good to be here. And your firm is called Mizuma, is that right?
1: That's right. Yep.
0: And we're here today talking, actually, this is the first time I think, is this the first time we've ever met?
1: Yes, it, it is.
0: It is, and and you're a listener of the show, and uh, you wrote me this wonderful message, an email, and uh, I just want to read a little bit of that for our listeners so they get an idea of what we're talking about today. You recently spoke about whether it's possible to scale bookkeeping services at low prices. Well, I've been grinding away at it for over 10 years now and believe I'm onto something. We provide core monthly bookkeeping services, reconciliation slash basic financials, and tax returns at year-end business and personal, all for a flat fee of $180 per month. My firm did 7 million gross revenue last year and can see a bright future ahead for continued exponential growth. I know you guys talk about niche a lot, and you mostly reference it in terms of industry, but there is a niche of businesses across all industries that don't need most of what is being offered by traditional accounting firms. They're what I call lifestyle businesses, which happens to be where the volume is. Anyway, love your show. Thanks again for solving my CPE woes. Keep it up. Ben. And I said, Ben, I would love to talk to you about those two things. First of all, your opinions on CPE, and then also how you scaled bookkeeping and, and tax for that price up to $7 million in gross revenue a year. That is really exciting. How long did it take you to get there?
1: Well, it's been over 10 years. Yeah, so wow. we, we truly, it has been a grind. And there's <laughs> some real uh, fundamental components, though, that I think has enabled us to get to this point, but it it wasn't going to happen quickly. I think was the reality. So yeah, it's been over ten years. Yeah. We we formed the company in two thousand eleven.
0: Okay, so that's around the same time I think that I got into the whole cloud accounting, cloud bookkeeping world. I'm I'm thinking, I guess for me it was I started my firm in two thousand ten. Um, what was it that got you to like start your own firm? Were you at a CPA firm? Do you have a, a background in audit, tax, accounting?
1: Yeah, so I went to school uh, for accounting at uh, BYU-Idaho and got a bachelor's degree there. And then, uh, of course, the 150-hour rule. Uh, BYU-Idaho doesn't have a graduate program, so I had to look elsewhere and uh, decided I wanted to try something a little bit different, so went to University of Washington. Had a really good experience there, although that one year at University of Washington cost me about five times as much as four years <laughs> at my last college. So that's the student debt I'm still paying off from that one year. Um, but uh, So I got my master's degree there in audit, uh, got my CPA license soon after that as I went into an internship and got a job there at a regional firm in Seattle. I uh, was there for just a short time before we kind of decided my wife couldn't handle the the gloom of the the Seattle weather anymore, Um, and of course, a variety of other factors that, that led us to looking elsewhere, and I ended up getting a job in Utah for another regional firm and spent the next four years auditing and learning that world and became an audit manager and started over time, though, just realizing, you know, people, as much as they like to make me feel like they like me, they don't like to see me coming you know, when I'm their auditor <laughs> on site. Yeah. And I just had this realization, do I, do I want to be doing this the rest of my life? And I think deep inside the answer was no. So I started to just kind of think about other opportunities. And small business had always captured my my attention like we worked for medium-sized businesses doing audits so they they weren't the massive ones you know where all you do is one account but and and so i, I did get some nice perspective um, as we were auditing and kind of saw top to bottom but the small business just what made the small business the micro business the the guy who drove by with you know smith's construction on the side of his truck like what is it that makes that business go and what what do they need from an accounting standpoint? They obviously don't need auditors. What do they need? And I'd spent years serving a board, you know, which is kind of nobody. It's like there's no person. It's just a group that's representing a larger group. And I was like, I want to serve somebody. I want somebody to be to benefit from my efforts. So that kind of got me in this small, small business mind frame. And I actually came across a a blog post about a firm called Mazuma in the UK um, who were trying to do subscription-based accounting services uh, for very low monthly fee. And their, their monthly fee was extremely low. Um, And I was like, how in the world are they doing that? And I don't see anybody doing that in the U S why isn't anybody doing that in the U S that's what these people need. So I reached out to them and make a long story short which is already being a long story i can tell but uh they they loved the idea of me doing this in the US but they weren't really able to help me uh is what it came down to so there was no like franchise arrangement or anything like that that they could offer uh so i just decided to find someone here in the US who would partner up with me and go do this on my own here in the US
0: so so they they let you use the name or you just decided yeah. like it was, okay, got it. Yep. Mizuma, that, so what does Mizuma mean? Like, what's the...
1: It actually means uh, cash or money in Yiddish. Oh. So it's, it's kind of got a neat little relationship there.
0: So you were inspired by this company, and yes. you decided to do the same thing. Well, let's get to the, the thing that I think is probably most interesting to our listeners, or the, the biggest question I have, and I'm sure they have, is, you know, how do you do bookkeeping for those prices? And... I assume make it profitable. I assume you're not doing this as a charitable endeavor. That's right. So, yeah. Uh, so you you wanted to serve small businesses. Uh, you were you were doing audit, working for larger businesses, and you know you you got to do it at a, at a price point they can afford. So yeah, like 180 dollars a month is that still the the starting price point for you guys?
1: Yes, that's uh. Well, we actually have a lower plan that's uh, 120 dollars a month. Um, Ooh, wow. Uh, that yeah. is quarterly bookkeeping and only provides one tax return. So just to clarify, the $180 plan is a monthly bookkeeping plan that includes a year-end personal and business tax return for the owner of the business. Um, and then the $120-a-month plan provides a quarterly bookkeeping with just one tax return. So if we're doing an S-Corp you know, that needs its own tax return, that's the only return they get. They don't also get their personal. But if they, if they are a single-member LLC, we... We do their personal tax return. So early in my career, I noticed in the write-up department, there was all this back and forth with the client, just all kinds of cleanup all the time. It was just cleaning up the books all the time so that the tax return could be prepared. And I said, why, you know, these clients, small business clients, micro businesses, lifestyle businesses, they don't know accounting so why in the world are we letting them touch anything in the books? You know, can, and, and the answer was, well, because we don't want to do all the work. You know, The accountant is like, well, it's, it's easier, and they, they then do the work throughout the year, and we just get to kind of swoop in and fix things and then prepare the return. Well, I, I kind of rejected that a little bit and said, no, I think it would be easier if we just did all of the work associated with the the data entry, the reconciliations, the financial statement preparation and just let the client look at what we're doing and provide comments, you know, and changes and notes and and you know tell us what they want different. And so I we started out with that premise that the client is not going to be modifying the data in their accounting in the accounting software at all. So that any mistakes or any weird things going on, you know, we know how they happen, why they happen, and we then can quickly fix them. So I, that's that's a that's a fundamental line in the sand that we've drawn. So so we don't let the clients change or modify data in their books. We we also don't uh, uh, provide you know ARAP uh, full accounting services that way. We are we are strictly providing a service of. Uh, reconciliation, financial statement preparation, tax return preparation. So that's obviously makes the workload much less than it would be if we were tracking AR or inventory or AP. Um, and So, so that's it's, obviously it's,
0: fundamental. So another way to say it is it's just write-up, pure write-up work, right? You're, sure. you're pulling in the transactions, you're categorizing them. Clients can have input, but very importantly, they don't have access to do it themselves, where then you have to go, Well, we've all been in that experience where we've had clients do it, and then it's more work for us to untangle it after the fact. Exactly. So, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and so that's that's then the core offering is uh, either on a quarterly or monthly basis. You do that write-up work. What do you send them each month or each quarter? Like what does the client get as a deliverable, or do they get one?
1: So back in the day, we used to, you know, we actually started out using the Envelope, Methods where people would actually, the shoebox, you know, shove shove the receipts, shove the bank statements and anything you want into this bag, the pre-address, pre-postage, you know, and send it to us. And then we would print out their financial uh, income statement, balance sheet, general ledger, and, you know, punch it and package it all up and mail it back to them. Um, now we have a client portal that, that clients log into uh, to view their financial statements and they can see the months that have been done and, and view their income statement balance sheet general ledger online. Uh, they also go online to upload bank statements to us if they haven't linked their bank account. You know, so that's how they exchange documentation with us for taxes and so on.
0: Got it. Mm-hmm. And your starter plan, the, the 120 per month, that's the business tax return, is included with quarterly bookkeeping. On the PLUS plan, 180 a month, it's monthly bookkeeping, and they get the business and the personal tax return. Now, let's talk about the the tax work. Well, or let's just talk about how you manage the team doing this. Like, how do you make it profitable? Because uh, my experience working at a larger firm, which you may have heard on a previous episode, uh, I, I like to talk about this a lot, was I couldn't figure out how to fit into the firm's methodology anything less than a thousand dollars a month. To do book, even just to do accounting work, because we were using you know staff in Los Angeles, high cost area. All of us had to compute billable rates, and it was, I, you know, I think even just some of the the, the entry level folks were billed at over a hundred dollars an hour. So for us to even like, it wouldn't even be possible for us to work on a client for two hundred dollars a month because we'd blow the budget if we worked more than two hours. So, how are you? Uh, how are you doing this? So, I have, of course
1: had to abandon the the time tracking concept and um, really leave behind what I had been taught in traditional accounting firms and change this from a focus on providing accounting services to really a, an operational exercise of how can I make this more efficient. And, and nothing was sacred, you know, just like, how can we move this data? Because that's really what you're doing. You're moving data from their bank into the accounting system, getting it classified, and the financial statements are there, right? Um, I didn't believe that it takes an accounting degree to reconcile a bank account, so I wasn't hiring accounting degrees to start. Mm-hmm. And for the first, you know, for the first six, six, probably, yeah, six years, I think I was the only CPA, uh, you know, licensed mm-hmm. person here, and so I taught high school graduates to reconcile a bank account properly, and to do their best at understanding categorization and and what a business is doing and how might this transaction be coded for them. That's not rocket science. Right And and I think we don't spend enough time just doing that as part of the accounting education because you got accounting degrees who come out of college and can't even do that properly. You yeah, know?
0: Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I got my accounting certificate at UCLA so I could sit for the CPA exam. And I, we never talked about how do you categorize transactions into a chart of accounts. I don't even think the chart of accounts ever even came up. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just lazy, you know, it was a little bit nerve wracking. To do this, because you know in the accounting world you're taught well you, cPA licenses are basically the only ones who could ever do this right, yeah, you know, and I just but I had to believe, no, I think my little sister you know can figure this out who, who graduated yeah. high school, or my neighbor who's a, a mother at home looking for a job, you know can do this, can learn this, and so that was you know a fundamental part of Mizuma is we take people and we teach them these basic accounting processes. You know, they're not the ones preparing or reviewing tax returns. But sure. They are the ones helping with that lower level work, that, yeah. that heavy lifting that when you talk about the amount of data that has to move in. So that was, that's an important component. So the efficiency, not over, you know, not hiring above pay grade to do work that, that doesn't require it.
0: So you're taking non-accountants. You're teaching them how to do bookkeeping. Do you have a standard chart of accounts that you use for every client? Do you have a niche that you specialize in? How do you keep it consistent, I suppose? Because it would be very difficult to t- t- take somebody who doesn't know accounting and then have them serve you know 12 different clients from different industries, I, I imagine.
1: Yeah, so uh, we do have a standard chart of accounts that we start with. Um, but we allow the client to make modifications to that. So if they've got cost of goods sold, we'll you know make sure that that's there and showing up the way they want it to. They want they want to see it. And the the so we.
0: This episode of the Earmark Podcast is sponsored by LiveFlow. Did you hear the news? LiveFlow just launched a new consolidation product. LiveFlow power user Beth Melcher of MoneyFit said that LiveFlow's consolidation is saving her team 15 to 20 minutes per client every week and eliminates the use of formulas. LiveFlow's automated multi-entity consolidation is simple to use. You can easily map multiple unmatching charts of accounts from multiple QuickBooks online companies into one standardized report. Once it's set up, LiveFlow works its magic, updating the consolidations automatically in real time so you can focus on analysis using instantly updated data across entities. Liveflow can even consolidate financials that are in different currencies. And the possibilities don't stop there. Liveflow empowers you with flexible, powerful reporting tools to create customized dashboards that meet your specific needs. Build executive presentations, cash flow forecasts, and more with just a few clicks. To stop grueling over manual consolidation reports and to get 25% off your first three months, be one of the first 10 listeners to head over to earmarkcpe.promo slash liveflow. That is earmarkcpe.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W.
1: We have teams, right? So we have a tax professional who's sometimes a CPA license, sometimes not, paired up with an experienced bookkeeper. And, and together, they kind of act as the mom and dad of the team, kind of the, the parents of the team. And then we've got... A few bookkeepers working underneath them, and so there's supervision. There still is review mm-hmm. and supervision going on, and, and a place for these new, uh, you know, new employees who are learning accounting to ask questions and, and be trained. We definitely have training uh, that we provide in a formal way, more formal now than it used to be. But as far as niching, you know, this is a question that we've asked ourselves many times, and and that people have posed to us many times as as a a suggestion. And, you know, it's partly been driven by where we've gone has partly been driven by the lead sources that we can get, find. Um, but we don't niche into a specific industry. We do have groups of of clients mm-hmm. from similar industries, and we are trying to group them under the same team. But uh, we service all small businesses, any kind, you know, that that aren't in illicit industries and things like illegal or illicit industries. Um, and so no, we, our niche is the micro business. it the people it. who can tolerate this level of service and, and really this is all they want. Uh, it's the people who would be doing it themselves if we weren't offering this level of service. So their requirements just aren't, as heavy you know, and significant yeah. as, as someone with a more sophisticated business.
0: Well, there, there's millions of them and they're looking to get their taxes taken care of. That's the primary goal. And so they gotta do the bookkeeping to get the taxes done. And you're providing, exactly. it's, it's not that complicated. That's what I love about this business model is that it's, it's solving a problem that most CPA firms don't touch because they might do the tax return but they won't do the books. You're offering the books and the tax return together as a package as a monthly fee and it's priced right for that type of business I imagine. Like what, what what's the uh, you know annual revenue of a typical client of Mizuma?
1: Uh it gets down as low as 50,000 up to millions. Um, mm-hmm. but but I'd say the the bulk of our clients are between 100,000 and 500,000. In, in annual revenue and it's the they're the type of businesses yeah. that can make a living you know they can pay the bills they're not trying to go raise capital they're not trying to expand in, in large ways they are a realtor who wants to provide a good lifestyle for them and their family they're an insurance yeah. agent they're you know landscaper that's where most small businesses are. And you're right. Most accounting firms don't want to touch them. You know, I, I heard your conversation a month or so ago about, you know, their, their C and D and F clients, Mm -hmm. right? They're everyone else's CD and F clients. And my goal was to provide, you know, to make that my a client and it's messy. You know, it's, it's messy. Trust me. It's not easy. And we still struggle through it. Um, but, uh, that's the goal.
0: And are you doing this with all staff in Salt Lake City? Because that's you're in the greater Salt Lake area, or uh, do you use remote staff in the U.S.? Do you use offshore?
1: So all of the above. So we do have uh, a large amount of imp- a large portion of our, our employees coming to the office every day, um, and then there's a portion. So about half of our our U.S. Uh, domestic uh, employees are coming to the office. Then we've got about half that are remote. And that was a more recent, we just started hiring remote accountants and bookkeepers in the past two years. We had a phase where we needed to ramp up significantly and, and we couldn't hire fast enough here and locally. And so we opened up that door and that it's been working out pretty well, coming with its own unique challenges. But we also do outsource some work to the Philippines, and uh so it was really neat to hear your recent podcast with that gentleman who built his firm. it seems like on the philippines oh, uh, yeah, yeah, um
0: yeah, yeah that was been, uh Argil sibillo yeah. yeah
1: yeah, and, and that was really neat to hear and relate to his experience uh you know we've we've it's a different approach for us, we don't use them as client facing and uh, even though you know contemplated it and who knows down the road but right now they are more data entry they do they do answer phones and and kind of act as our first defense so if a client's calling in and needs to change their password or can't log into the client portal it's not being taking the time of of an accountant to to deal with issues like that so they do help with phones we also use them for software development and um, they are amazing people they just I'm so grateful, we are so blessed by their contribution to our business. It's It's been a a yeah. really neat experience working with, with the Philippines.
0: So I, I, I we do that at Earmark as well, like all of our um, CPE courses are managed and developed in the Philippines by a team there. We oh, couldn't, really? yeah, we couldn't do it otherwise. So our, our CPE manager is a CPA and a CMA, and he was previously working a corporate role from the Philippines and wasn't really, you know, Enthus- it wasn't exciting him because yeah. a lot of times the work that gets sent over there by fortune 500 companies, I imagine is pretty tedious for somebody who's talented and smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, he found us and said, Hey, can I help with earmark? I think it's a great idea. Um, and so that's where we do all of our development and we can do it for a fraction of the cost. Uh, the business model wouldn't even be possible right without that. Wow. And development is done in Pakistan, uh, for the app. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I I feel like with the labor shortage uh, getting worse every year in accounting, um, I don't see how firms are going to be able to stay in business if they don't offshore. I think every firm at some point will have at least some aspect of of work being offshore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The fir- the firm I used to work for just uh, recently did it for the first time, and and that's a surprise to me. They that's a real big, but yeah, the fact that they yeah. they're doing it. Traditional firms are now. I, you know, the big firms we all know have been doing this for probably decades, you know, but yep. um, smaller firms, medium-sized firms who haven't considered it are definitely considering it now.
0: Well, in the episode that you mentioned, the uh, interview with Arjil Sibillo, the inspiration for his firm came from him working at Deloitte. And Deloitte, like you said, has been offshoring to India for decades now. And so he was very familiar with that and felt like he could build a firm and improve that process. And so uh, I think, yeah, a lot of the younger generation, especially those coming out of big four who are going into smaller firms or starting their own, that's the way they've always done it. So that's the way they're gonna build firms now. Absolutely. Um, It does have its own challenges, as you mentioned, right? The time differences, you really have to be clear with uh, directions and documentation is so important, which is something that's often missing in firms because we can just walk over to somebody's desk and ask a question, but you know when you've got this twelve to twenty four hour delay you you gotta be really clear with what you want, and so uh, i have had I have learned over the years to be precise yes, um, <laughs> yeah, and using a video, I use loom loom is a great tool uh to help clarify and to create like that human connection that you don't get over a chat or email, mhm, yeah, absolutely. So um, the tax work, do you do the tax work here in the U.S.?
1: Yes, we do have yeah. some, prep, some preparation happening in the Philippines. But okay. uh, all the review and you know finalizing and communicating, delivering to the client is, is done here in the U.S.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the technology stack. Uh, I imagine you've standardized, right? That's one of the first things you've got to do if you're going to offer this kind of streamlined service. So um, do you mind walking me through... A typical client's technology stack from you know starting with the bank and then going through to the tax return at the end.
1: Sure. So um, we're
0: actually so
1: you know the the bank is we can have you know thousands of different banks um, and we use a service uh, a, a company called MX. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but they're like a Yodley oh. or a Plaid, uh, which okay. is an aggregator. You know they they facilitate. Bank connections to our software that we're actually kind of proud to announce. Just this year, we we finished development of our own our own GL software, wow. and uh, so that that data feeds into our our own accounting software, and then uh, that's where all the accounting is done, bookkeeping. We use Zoho as our our main, I guess, enter, you know, ERP type system, uh, CRM, and a variety of of their other apps to manage workflow um, and to manage people and to automate as much as we can uh, it's, you've talked about zoho on here before you know it's a very very robust platform and for someone who's a little bit technology minded uh, you can really dig in there and do some really neat stuff with automation mm-hmm. custom coding um, and, and that's a little bit part of my background too. I, I minored in, in IT uh, information systems. And so that's always been fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I got to, st- I know I asked you to walk me through it, but now I got to stop you because <laughs> you said two things that are really interesting, which is, uh, you have your own proprietary <laughs> GL. I want to learn more about that. That's really interesting. Not a lot of firms building their own, um, and then also Zoho, uh, they were a sponsor of the cloud accounting podcast, oh. and I've known about them for years, but I haven't met a ton of U.S.-based firms that are platformed on Zoho. So, yeah, I don't know. where do you want to start? I'd love to hear more about what you think about I like Zoho or the the GL.
1: Yeah, so the on the GL side, we've actually never used QuickBooks um, because of its inefficiencies for us. From early on, I I could not get myself to to you know, with my early focus on efficiency, it just never fit. It just never met the speed of data and the transparency of data that that I felt like I needed to to be quick at this and to make it a seamless process to get the data in and out. And, you know, because I'm talking about high volume here, right? Like when you have to Click five extra times to get an income statement into a, you know, a deliverable format, or, or back in the day when they didn't have mass you know I, I, was, I, I don't know how long they have had this tool, but you couldn't move a batch of transactions from one account to another. You right. know? And you get to the end of the year and there's five hundred transactions in the wrong place to fix that. that shouldn't take more than a minute, right? But in QuickBooks it was taking it, it was just too long. Um, I know they've got tools and things now, but that kind of set me off on this this other course of not being able to use that. Ultimately what we need is our operational data to integrate with our accounting data to, to give the client the experiences that we want, which is more than a income statement and balance sheet, because we know they don't they don't get much value out of those things. Um it's all about the tax return for them. We want to give them more insight, more understanding in their finances, and, and as long as we are handcuffed by a third-party accounting software, we're never going to be able to do it. So uh, that's about two years ago is when we decided we're going to start developing our own uh, that that we've got full access to so that we can use the revenue and net income data to to congratulate the clients, to warn the clients, to... Uh, you know, give them a heads up about tax implications because their profit this year is bigger than you know and do that in an automated efficient way was going to require us to have our own g l um, now we also aren't catering to business owners who are using us for a r a p inventory moving money you know yet we 're not so we felt like okay. We don't have all of these extra features that we know are very valuable in other platforms like QuickBooks, obviously, and 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 the others. But for now we're gonna focus on just being as efficient as possible and providing a, a new experience with the client between the client and their money and try and get out of this paradigm of the tax return being the only thing they care about because and giving them giving them insights into their business that an income statement a balance sheet won't provide. So that's, that's the background between our, our own
0: GL. And, and how did you develop it? You said you have a background in, in code? or Yeah,
1: so it was a little bit, you know, so I had started working with developers to build our client portal, to build our website where clients could log in and stuff. So I hired a, a company, you know, to, to build that for us. And I was the only one in the company who was really uh, leaned technology side of things. And I, I could do coding, like back in the day, I would write macros, you know, it all started with Excel macros and, and writing in VBA and trying to make my jobs faster and easier when I was an intern somewhere. But uh, so I, I had a, an understanding of, of code and what could be done. And so, and then working with these companies who were building our website, our, our client portal, I gained a little bit of confidence like, okay, I can, I can maybe manage a project like this. And then I, for our next, the next version of our client portal, I went directly to a developer in the Philippines, just hired a, a, a guy mm-hmm. who was looking for a job, not through a, a, a management company or anything, just an individual. And together, he and I and, and one other developer got the client portal a, a new client portal developed so that, again, confidence is just kind of growing. Experience is growing, and I said, "Hey, we're gonna let's let's do this accounting system thing." And I I understood debits and credits enough. I just thought I can, we can figure this out. And so it took a lot longer than we thought it would, two years instead of one, but uh, but we finally launched it this summer, at the end of this summer.
0: Well, congratulations. So, Thanks. how many clients do you have? On it, have you moved them all over? Are you gradually shifting them?
1: They're all moved over now. Uh, all right. Yeah, there's, so all, all 6,000 clients are, are there.
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans to license this out to other firms, or is this going to stay proprietary to Mizuma?
1: Uh, it's no plans. It's so integrated into our workflow and into the way that we think about accounting and, and bookkeeping that it's a little bit hard for me to imagine Trying to sell somebody else on it because mm-hmm. it's like you'd have to bring the whole Zoho thing with it um, in order to really have it, you know, have its power. Um, so, so tell
0: me about that. Is that because you've integrated with Zoho deeply?
1: Yes. Yeah. So, So again, you can, our accounting software is pulling information out of Zoho for our bookkeepers to utilize as they are diving into a set of books to to reconcile.
0: And what would be um, an example of that?
1: So like well first of all they open up the uh, CRM, you know Zoho CRM and there's a a, a one button link to open up that client's books. Right? So I open up Jones Construction and I've I've got tabs that show me all the bookkeeping tasks that need to be done for Jones Construction and I click a hyperlink that automatically pops open their bookkeeping software, right? And so then in the bookkeeping software, I'm seeing uh, information that's being pulled from Zoho, such as what type of business they are, what their name and email address, their contact information, um, if I need to send them a note or call them at that point. And then we are also sending back and forth information about whether or not this uh, client's bank account is linked, because as you know, bank account links don't always last. Uh, they break for various reasons. And so if that breaks, we want to be able to see it in the CRM side or, or on the accounting side. And so that integration is, has been necessary. And, that, and we're really just at the, kind of the beginning stages of, of that integration. But our goal is to also you know, display uh, on the client portal graphs and features and things that tell the client where they're at and that all kind of integrates with the CRM it's a triangle, right? We've got our front mm-hmm. end website, we've got our CRM and then we've got our accounting data and they all kind of work together to hopefully provide an experience for the clients that we're excited about.
0: How would you decide on Zoho versus Microsoft or Google?
1: Uh, we've, I went through both of those uh, we started out with Google and it was good and then uh, i met uh, my cousin who was kind of helping us with our it networking and stuff pushed me onto the microsoft environment and that was good too but we've been on zoho i think about 3 years now and the and, and so maybe it was just like the google and the microsoft weren't as evolved as i would you know as i needed them to be or as i was hoping they would be and then when and by the time i was looking elsewhere zoho was evolved enough mm-hmm. and and zoho just had more tools at, at the time you know google's i think probably catching up but but zoho just has so many tools to 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 yeah. use in your business surveys mass emailing you know e signature it's got internal communication tools it's got email it's got uh, the CRM. It's got marketing platform. It's got uh, intranet for internal websites. It's got just, you can go on, there's about 40, you know, the relevant tools out there in Zoho. And the the idea of being able to integrate all of those things together, even though it doesn't work as well as you wish it would. And it's just, as you think it would, since they're all Zoho, why can't these things just play nice? But it, that I think that is what really appealed to me, just the integration mm-hmm. across.
0: Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, when I look at it, I haven't used it myself, but when I look at it, 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 it really feels like an ERP for small businesses in the, in the sense of uh, it can do so many different things. And like you said, the CRM, um, that is still unique to Zoho. Google doesn't come with one. Microsoft, you got it by dynamics if you want to integrate it. And it's not, it's not as, um, it's not as smooth. So that's right. really interesting. And, and and then you've integrated the CRM with your own software so you can pull in data, send it back and forth. That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I took you off track there with the, uh, the GL and Zoho to, uh, let's, let's keep going. I'd love okay. to get through a, a full, like accounting. Yeah. A full yes. accounting cycle. Of-
1: so really, uh, as far as the stack, the tech stack, I, yeah. I, think, and then you'd add our client portal, you know, just our own website onto okay. that, 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 uh, facilitates information exchange and communication with the clients. Uh, we're, we're not yet at the app stage. Um, the next kind of leg of our race is we want the clients to be able to get the service through an app. That's obviously really important. Mobile app. Yeah. Through a mobile app. Uh, we feel like that's really important. As we feel way behind, you know, not really compared to other accountants, but maybe but compared to what our business what our clients are engaging with in other aspects of, of their lives, it's all mobile based and, and we need to, to simplify and consolidate and focus our service down good enough to deliver it through a, a phone.
0: What do you do for the tax? What's your oh, what's yeah. your uh, tax software
1: we use ultra tax and we've used that almost since the beginning uh, i i was on intuit online their professional you know the intuit professional tax software that was kind of new at the time it was probably eight or ten years ago that i was on it and that was good but again they were building around the the quickbooks environment and that wasn't where i was headed so we ended up looking for other options and needed something nationwide you know, that serviced the whole country and had the state and the city, the little you know, unique forms that anyone could need anywhere in the U.S. And UltraTax was kind of the most robust but most affordable solution we found. And uh, frankly, I, I think it's been really frustrating at how separate that piece has had to remain from the rest of our technology. There's no APIs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so that's what I was going to ask you, is how do you get the data from your bookkeeping system you've built into the tax software and make adjustments? Now, do you, do you do book-to-tax in your own software? Do you do that in spreadsheets? Or maybe that's not even necessary because of the way you've set things up.
1: It's cash, so we do cash-based bookkeeping. It's essentially yeah. tax-based bookkeeping, right? Is is kind of what right. we're mostly doing, and so it's a manual process to get it from our accounting software into UltraTax, which is a major weakness, you know, of ours and and a breakdown in efficiency. But that's you know that's kind of the the poison we chose. And well, uh,
0: I mean that's that's kind of the the everybody's in that boat really right now. There's I mean unless like you said you're using QuickBooks and you're using into its uh into tax online, and you can just pull the data in pretty much everybody's doing that. you're just keying it in um, yeah
1: and there's it, and it's not as simple as you know you lie. there's still a lot of with integrations that I've experienced in the past and pulling data directly in to the tax yeah. software, there's always some kind of conversion or some kind of mapping or some kind of other element that has to be maintained and yeah that takes work too. And so we just decided we're just gonna key it in.
0: Well, and I imagine you're not using a ton of accounts in your chart of accounts, you've streamlined right. that. So, right, how long does it really take? It's, it's one of those things we have to stop and think about and say, well, I could automate this, but is it worth the time it takes to automate it? Unless I can make it perfect, where all the data just flows seamlessly, uh, then maybe it is easier just for the tax team to, to key in the numbers. And mm-hmm. that provides some level of, uh, you know, double checking as well, right? When I'm looking at right. these numbers and keying them in, I'm, I might see, oh, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't look right.
1: Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. That's a really important point. I think if you don't know what's going on every step of the way, then you're kind of walking on thin ice. Yeah.
0: So your clients, you know, they do their AR, their AP on their own. They pay their own bills. They invoice. They, I imagine, uh, do they run payroll? They must you know, if they've got an S-corp, they got to run their own payroll. Yep. Do you, 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 so you don't get involved in that, or do you? And do you recommend software to them?
1: We used to offer payroll. Uh, hmm. Interestingly, we were using QuickBooks to run payroll <laughs> for our clients at the very beginning. Um, and then we moved to other softwares and realized uh, over time, as, as we started to grow a little bit, it was becoming more of a liability. We were very focused on being the affordable option on the bookkeeping side and we kind of carried that same philosophy over into payroll and realized we're not making any money doing this. In fact, we're causing ourselves a lot of headaches um, because we're not doing it as well as we need to be. So let's just be done. So we, we stopped our, our payroll service. We actually sold our, our payroll business to ADP about five years ago, four years ago. And uh, since then have just, Tried to f- laser focus on this bookkeeping, tax cycle, iteration after iteration after iteration of of processes and procedures to try and stabilize it to ensure it's scalable, um, with the quality that we want and that's acceptable to the client. So that's really been our focus. So so really, we just take an advisory role on the payroll side. You know, we answer our tax pros are available to answer questions about anything, um, and so they often. You know the clients can ask the the tax pro what should my withholdings be how do, you know um, mm-hmm. and, and we can help them guide them through notices they receive or things like that, but it's really on them and their payroll provider at this point
0: yeah it makes makes sense why get in the middle of that when if you've got that relationship with apparel service they can take care of it right and that's their job yeah and they and they've automated that and they've made that their expertise. Um, right,
1: right. So yeah, we just refer them.
0: Yeah. Anything else that I haven't uh, I haven't asked about when it comes to technology that you'd like to share?
1: Um, I think I I think just nothing that I really haven't mentioned except for the fact that it's not. Uh, I think it's within our role as as accountants to be thinking about the best solutions. And don't always, you may not always find it off the shelf, you know, um, and don't be afraid to learn something and develop something that could could really benefit your clients and your business in, in general. Um, I think there are lots of third-party softwares that are great and amazing and, and do amazing things, but there's a lot of stuff that you get with them that you don't need or, you know, and the The cost of them, obviously is is a major prohibitor. Um, I could not charge my clients an extra you know with our prices, right If I was charging an extra fifty dollars or you know seventy five dollars or a hundred I, I don't know what into it online, you know the online bookkeeping costs anymore, but it would be impossible to be at this price point. And I think that's a a real important fact thing to factor in. like if. But it all depends on the market you're going after, right? We are chosen right. to go after people who, like I said, would probably rather do this themselves, try and work through this on their own, in their own set of books, as opposed, instead of paying $500 or whatever it would cost to have somebody else do it. And so, anyway, I think that innovation on the software side, we can do a lot of that as accountants because we we know what the issues are. And instead of a software developer some venture-backed software company that's out of touch with with what we do uh, producing those. Yeah.
0: My takeaway from this is that you have tailored your technology uh, to the experience that you can deliver at the price point your clients are willing to pay. And you've stri- you've stripped out all of the unnecessary cost and complexity by building your own GL that is designed just to get... Those books done, so that you can get their tax return done and offer them those insights that you want to offer them through. You know, I, I assume you're going to like email those out to clients every month or every quarter, right? And they don't have mm-hmm. to look at a PNL or a balance sheet anymore to get what they need to know, right? And and that's the value, right? It's it's I've got my uh, compliance headache taken care of, my taxes, I don't have to worry about it. My books are done, and I, yeah, I'm even going to get a little bit of uh, you know light automated advisory out of it which is more than they'll get from any uh pr- freelance bookkeeper i imagine
1: mm-hmm. right so
0: and 6000 yeah. clients that's like that's a big number uh did you imagine when you started well, how long's how long's it been 12 12 years, 12 years? Almost, yeah. yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah we our main our goal was to take over the you know take over quickbooks <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're giving uh, QuickBooks yeah. Live
0: a run for its money. i I imagine,
1: yeah, that's the uh, hope. I guess I don't I, yeah. I doubt they even know we exist. but yeah, we we scalability and affordability have been kind of our mantra. We've opened our eyes a little bit to over the past few years to making sure quality remains as we scale mm-hmm. you know? and as we and we've had to raise our prices. We used to be at lower prices. But we've raised our prices to try and maintain that quality and make sure that our client to to employee ratio doesn't get out of, doesn't get crazy. Um, and that our people are not working more here than they would be at another accounting firm. We mm-hmm. need them to be working less here than they would be at another accounting firm. That's yeah, yeah. Really, really important to what us. Is,
0: what is that ratio? You know, how many clients does a bookkeeper have, for instance, on um,
1: average? So I probably would Keep that a little bit closer. To the ch- it's over a hundred. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I, I, th- I imagine it's it's doable with the systems you have. I think in in my firm, you know, an all star could have done a hundred, but most of our bookkeepers were thirty or forty clients. But we didn't have the the tech stack that you have, right? We were using off the off the shelf, and every client was a little different, so that, you know, you just don't get as many efficiencies.
1: Right. So. Yeah. Yep. So our our goal is to make that ratio as high as we can without you know, uh, losing the quality. quality of the work.
0: Well, how do you, how do you manage that how, with 6,000 clients? How do you know who's, uh, getting the quality that they expect?
1: So we, we listen to our clients, we survey clients, we, um, and our operations team is, is very in touch with the work that we do. Uh, our operations director, who works just under me, she came on as a bookkeeper five years ago, um, and has seen the evolution, has interacted with clients, and that awareness of our leadership having come from the bookkeeping, plat- you know, the bookkeeping service has been really important to to maintaining. Uh, quality I think and and concern when when you know what it's like to for a client to complain to you and, and and how bad it feels when a client's upset, you care a little bit more about making sure that doesn't happen and making sure that our bookkeepers are not dealing with that every day right that, that mm-hmm. those are rare more as rare as possible um, so you know we we just listen and and try and accommodate and change. In order to prevent them from having their uh, bad experiences, I mean, they know what they're paying. We know what they're paying. It's not; they're not going to get the same service as they would from a main street accountant who's charging them two hundred dollars an hour. That's just not the reality. Right.
0: But you've set that expectation, which mm-hmm. is that's fine, right? It's it's deliver what the client expects and 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 set that expectation up front.
1: Exactly. That's, that's really right. important. Yep. This is a subscription. We don't yeah. lock people into contracts, so it's month to month. Um, our, and, and that's been important. We put it on us to do a good enough job that these people will stay. And yeah. and we feel like that's been a really important motivation.
0: One more thing before we go. Um, you know, Getting to 6,000 clients can be a challenge just in terms of acquiring them. H- how do you continue to grow? Uh, is it word of mouth? Is it Online advertising, marketing. How do you get the name Mizuma out there?
1: So we do advertise online. We do SEO. We've and we've done iterations of radio and um, networking and, and things like that. We've um, a lot of our g- real growth though has come through partnerships, um, other companies that the businesses, small businesses, our type of client is is being aggregated in, and we've you know set up a revenue share deal that we pay for leads that come over. Well, we actually, it's revenue share, so we pay when we get paid. Um, mm-hmm. So forming partnerships has really been the key to to getting a consistent high volume of leads.
0: Interesting. So partnerships with what kind of uh, companies?
1: So companies that uh, are, you know, like entity formation companies, mm-hmm. Uh. Companies that uh, where a lot of 1099 contractors are consolidated. Um, you've got you know, real estate associations. You've got uh, trucking carriers. You know who have thousands of truckers out there on the road that are all their own S corp or you know single member LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, so just any larger organization that is servicing these 1099 people gives us an opportunity to help them, help those people and uh, get, get leads that way.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, I, I haven't heard that from a lot of firm owners. I mean, I know that smaller firms will get referrals from attorneys and insurance agents and that sort of thing. But what you've done is taken that to another level where you've got an association referring you uh, clients or, or uh, a larger business doing that. So yeah. that's, that's, and- that's fascinating.
1: And the main thing they the pre prerequisite to that is scalability you know, yeah. like they can't they're not willing to send over hundreds of clients if you're not confident you can service them right and so uh, I think that our platform our our foundation that we've built was all about scalability, and so that opens us up to those opportunities
0: well Ben, this has been so educational for me, and I'm sure our listeners learned a lot as well. Um, we haven't talked
1: about right. the CPE yet.
0: Oh, I know we didn't get to that. So let's <laughs> let's do that. Go. Let's do that. This is the uh, this is the bonus portion of the episode. Okay. Let's talk about your opinions on CPE. Uh, what do you what do yes. you think? So I
1: I I you really solve like every year. Well, every two years, right? Because that's when we have to, in Utah we have to have eighty hours every two years. And uh, so every year, I'm the only way that I could like really be sure that I was gonna get enough CPE was if I left home, left work, went and stayed in a hotel somewhere and sat through eight hours a day of, of speakers who have been doing this, who that is their job and who've been doing this for generations, it feels like. And I remember I took a. I I actually was trying to find this picture to send to you. I couldn't find it on my phone, but I remember sitting in the back of one of these huge conference rooms in the Mirage at Las Vegas, took a picture in the front, and all it was was, uh, I don't want to be rude here, but aged very, you know, I was of a different generation. Like, all the attendees were white hair, bald. It looked like they were on their way out of the industry, like they're getting ready to retire. And I'm the only one here for some reason. I'm wondering how does everyone else get their CPE, but I'm the only one here that, Uh, Seems to have brown hair still. (laughs) Uh, And it was just so clear that this doesn't feel like it's for me, but it was the only way that I could fit it in and make sure it got done. So this particular two-year period of 2022, I happened to be way behind. Like starting midway through this year, I had only done like four hours. So I had 76 hours left to do between June and the end of the year. And then I came I, I don't know how I came across earmark, but somehow some way I found you and that's I've gotten like 68 hours done since that time just being able to listen to it on my way to work. You know, I, I listen to it on my way in. I, I sit there in the car until the episode finishes and then I take the test and boom, I got another hour done. and I, and it's really not just only about the convenience, it's about the topics and the subject matter. So much more relevant than hearing the same, you know, conversation about this form and the nuances with partnerships and basis and all this stuff that are important. Yeah, but I can research that when I need to. You know, like those are top technical topics. I have resources right to go guide me through those. You're never going to sit me down for 40 hours and teach me everything I'm going to run into during tax season. Uh, So let me just figure that out when I need it. And and you'd get my CPE, like seeing the lay of the land, understanding the industry, understanding the market, understanding my client more, and how to better service them and and challenge my paradigm of what I've been doing for 10 years. Wow, this other thing's going on. Maybe I should consider doing that. So it's just been so much more valuable to me that way.
0: Well, thank you so much. And now you've participated in creating an excellent hour of CPE that I hope our uh, listeners will really enjoy and get a lot out of. I know they will. And so if if our listeners want to connect with you, Ben, and learn more about what you're doing, just, you know, are you online? Do you do social media? Where do you like Um, to connect?
1: The company is online, Mizuma USA, um, Mm -hmm. I think is our handle, our Facebook and LinkedIn. I think we do Instagram too. Um, And that's our website as well. So um, I don't do direct client service much anymore, but um you can definitely weasel your way through the you know the channels and and get to me if if you want to
0: all right are you hiring
1: um at the moment no um we we actually had to downsize quite a bit this year um because of some ups up increased hiring that we did earlier in the year in in Mm -hmm. anticipation of some new partnerships they didn't end up landing when we thought they would. So they're, they're delayed. And so we actually, we actually had to decrease our staff for temporarily until those come online. But as soon as, as soon as they do, we're going to be back out there in full force Uh hiring as much as we can.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to following your journey and the growth. And it sounds like there's amazing things coming in the future. Ben, thanks for your time, and uh, I hope to get to see you in person sometime soon. That'd be great, Blake.
1: Thank you very All much. All
0: right. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new. And if you did, wouldn't it be nice to get some CPE credit for it? Well, I've got great news. My new app, Earmark CPE, offers free NASBA-approved CPE credits for listening to podcasts, including this one. Visit earmarkcpe.com to download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. That's earmarkcpe.com.